Thank you very much, Reverend Stewart. It is our pleasure tonight to be here and to have the opportunity of uh, representing a little of the schools. It is our desire. We, we have done deputations off and on uh, around neighbouring congregations, but um, we decided a little time ago in the Education Board to do it more formally and try and get around all of our churches and congregations eventually and present the work of the schools. So that is what uh, we are doing, and uh, some of the local schools are uh, helping with that. So some of the pupils are here tonight, and they are going to uh, be taking part just in a moment, as has already been indicated. But I do want to express our thanks and the opportunity to be here to uh, the ministers and the session here in Ballymena for the opportunity given to us to come and say a little bit uh, about the school. The pupils are going to come and sing just in a moment, and then um, we'll turn to God's word for a little while and think a little bit. What's really the motto text for Christian education? Uh, we're going to think about that for a moment. And then there is a 15-minute uh, DVD that will explain a little bit about the schools and uh, the various principals are taking part in explaining a little bit of what goes on in school from uh, day to day as well. And some others, the education board members, are participating in that as well. If you turn to Proverbs chapter 2, please. I do appreciate the pupils participating tonight and coming along. And we thank them for doing that. When we, we met at the church in Newton Abbey there to get on the bus, and one wee fella says, why are we back at school so, er- so soon? So he'd, he'd only left a, a few hours ago this afternoon and didn't fancy the prospect of, of uh, arriving back so soon again. Uh, but we're glad that they're here. And that, that last hymn was our school hymn, I'm Not Ashamed to Own My Lord. And I suppose that really sums up what, what are we trying to accomplish in a Christian school and certainly academics are important, very important as we know and we want each pupil to do their very best and the Lord requires of them to do their very best, to do what they can. It's like the woman in scripture, remember that was going to anoint the saviour and the disciples didn't want that and the Lord said leave her alone, she hath done what she could and that's what the Lord requires of us all, whatever area of life we're in. We are to do what we can, and certainly that applies to school and to the pupils in school. The Lord requires of them to do what they can. As we know, they're all different abilities and personalities and whatever, and they're not all going to be the same. They're not clones one of another. They're all uniquely different. As the Lord reminds us, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But the Lord does require of us all that we do what we can. And certainly in school, that is what we want them to to do. But we want them to never be ashamed of Christ, that they will stand for the Lord, that they will come to know him as their Lord and Savior. And when days in school are done and they go on to further education, on to employment, wherever and whatever uh, the Lord takes them on to do, that they would never be ashamed of Christ, that they would be willing to own the Lord. And that is our our motto, him chosen way back, it's 40 years ago now. We're in our 40th year, back when Mr. Cranston was the minister in Newton Abbey. That's when the school started. Um, 
I'm going out to renew fellowship with them just this end of this week. I'm doing some meetings in Port Hope, and uh, they have a school in Port Hope, as you know, as well. And it was 40 years ago since the work started, the school started in Newton Abbey, and they chose that hymn. And it's as appropriate today as it was back then that they would learn to stand for the Lord and never be ashamed. Proverbs chapter 2 then, we want to read just the first six verses of this uh, chapter in Proverbs. And we're going to think for a moment or two about verse 6. As I said, this is the motto text for Christian education. Proverbs chapter 2, it says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, see that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to that short Bible reading. Can we just bow in prayer for a moment? Ask the Lord for his help this evening. Our Father, we thank thee we're in the house of God among thy people. We thank thee that we are before our God. Thou art our God and our Father. And we praise thee for the way of access that we have through thy dear Son, the one who gave himself as that sacrifice for us. And we thank thee tonight that we can say our sins are covered by the blood. Lord, there's no other way to blot out sin and cancel the debt other than by the shed blood and the applied blood. And blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And tonight we thank thee for the covering for sin. We thank thee that guilt is gone. Lord, no longer are we under condemnation. But in Christ Jesus we're justified freely by thy grace. We have this glorious standing before thee and access into thy courts. And we pray tonight thou will bless us as we have gathered. Lord, we pray that as we would meditate upon thy word for a little while, we ask that tonight we might know the help of the Lord and the blessing of God upon us. Hear us, we ask now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I've already indicated, verse 6 of this chapter of Proverbs was the motto text that was chosen way back uh, over 40 years ago now when the Christian schools first commenced. The Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. And that is really the epitome of all wisdom and knowledge, is what is outlined here in this portion of Scripture. Everyone wants to be wise. Everyone wants to be knowledgeable. Nobody wants to be looked upon as a fool. Nobody certainly wants to act a fool, uh, at least if they have any sense of living right before the Lord. But we can never be wise if we do not give heed to what God has given to us as the key and the source of all wisdom. And it's a father that's speaking to his son here in the start of this chapter in Proverbs. My son is how the chapter starts off. And ultimately it's the Lord speaking to his children, those who are the children of his family. And it is the Lord who is speaking in whatever uh, earthly context that might have been said in because, as you know, these are uh, the Proverbs 
um, of Solomon. And there's that little division that you notice in the book of uh, Solomon. There's the Proverbs for Solomon, and then there's the Proverbs of Solomon. And the first part of it is the Proverbs for Solomon. And that's why uh, it starts off here as my son. It's more than likely it's David who was speaking to Solomon. And then Solomon is now recording. He's the penman of the book of Proverbs. But he is penning what his own father told him and taught him as he was being brought up in that royal court. So in the first uh, part of this book, you have these Proverbs for Solomon that Solomon ought to live by and everyone ought to live by as well. And there is the starting off with a reference immediately to the word of God. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. And you'll see there that, that wisdom is connected with the Lord and his word. So therefore, if we're going to be wise, God's word must have the preeminent place, must have first place, must have the chief place in in teaching, educating, if, if we are going to be wise. I was listening to, it was actually a Scottish um, minister speaking about Christian education over there in the land of Scotland, and, and he made the comment as he was speaking about the subject. It was a webcast I was, I was watching, and uh, he pointed out that, that years ago, years and years ago now, hundreds of years ago when Oxford University commenced, but whatever other discipline you were pursuing, if you went to Oxford University, you had to spend the first year studying theology. And the argument was, how can you have any interest in knowledge or wisdom if you don't come to know something of the author of wisdom and knowledge? And that's why you had to spend your first year doing theology, no matter what else you went on to do in, in Oxford University. That has uh, certainly changed uh, up until the present time. But that's how it was when, way back when, when that famous university started out. That was what they, they set down, that you had to come to know something who, of the one who is the author of wisdom and the author of knowledge. So you had to study God himself. And that's worth remembering. The true knowledge brings us back to the Lord, brings us back to his word. People can have a knowledge, but whether it's true knowledge or not is another thing. People can act, but whether they act wisely or not, it's another matter altogether. Because as you'll come to see here this evening, if I can quickly, I'm not going to preach really tonight, but I do want to highlight some things. First of all, there's a quest for wisdom that you will find here in, well, the first six verses. We'll take these all together, um, although we're particularly thinking about verse six. But for example, in verse three, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding... If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. So there's a, suggest here, a suggestion here of a quest, of a desire for knowledge. And that's certainly good and, and proper to have a quest for knowledge, a desire to know certain things. And if we, if we have a desire to know the great things, we're going to come to the word of God. We're going to come to the Lord's words. Those are infallible words. Those are the words of life. They're the words that if we follow, we will we'll not go wrong. If we follow what God has to say, we'll not have to look back and think, well, I, I, I took the wrong road following the Lord and his word. And obeying the Lord and following what he said, somehow it turned out ill for me. We'll, nobody's ever going to say that if we follow the Lord's word. 
So while it's good to have a quest for, for wisdom, we certainly need to have uh, a desire to, as it tells you there in verse 2, incline your ear onto something, and it's onto the Lord's words. So there's a quest for knowledge that there is. There's a definition of, of uh, not, uh, wisdom here as well, because in verse 5 it begins to set that out for us. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So really when we get down to the crux of it, what is the definition of, of wisdom? It's, it is coming to know the creator and the redeemer. And if we are really truly seeking after wisdom, this is where we will, we will come then. We, we will begin to, to understand certain things and we'll, it'll bring us to a fear of God, not a dread of God, but that desire to reverence God. And there is a difference, as you know. The ungodly may dread God. They dread the thought of God. They certainly dread ever coming before him and standing before him. And they, they, they often they don't want to think about the God of heaven. They don't want to speak about him. They don't want to be in people's company who's speaking about the Lord because they have a dread of God. To, to them, he is a dreadful being because they're not reconciled to him. They're estranged from him. They're under condemnation. And there is that witness corrupted as it is, but still there is a witness in their conscience that they're sinners against are in the sight of a holy God. So the ungodly have a dread of God. But the redeemed have a fear of God, a reverence for God. And there's a world of difference. There's a world of difference. We're taught over in Hebrews 12, there's those words at the end of Hebrews 12 about a godly fear and holy reverence of God. And that's what the believer is to have. And, and that's true fear of God. If, if we dread God, how, we must not be reconciled to God as yet. Because if we are reconciled to God and our sins are, are gone tonight and covered as the pupils were singing there a little while ago, then there's no need to dread God. Why would we dread God who, to whom we are reconciled? If we, if we had been brought into fellowship with him through his son, why would we dread him then in that sense? No, there's a different fear of God that the believer has. And it's that, that reverence of God, that respect for God. We give God his place. We honor him as who he is, as he sets himself out in his word. As our God and our Lord and our masters, creator, redeemer, as the one who, if we are redeemed, who, is, who owns us, we are no longer our own. We have been bought with a price. We belong to him. So if we, if we fear God as a believer tonight, we're, we're going to give God his place in our lives. And we're going to live with that evident to others as they come into contact with us. We're those who in our lives give God his place. That's what it is for a Christian to fear God. And we'll certainly have regard for, for his word. So we'll, we'll come to understand what it is to truly fear God. And it's interesting as well, if you notice here in verse um, 5 and in verse 6, that there, there is this mention of, of knowledge and understanding. You, you can have knowledge but not be very wise. And there's some people like that. They're, they're as knowledgeable, maybe more knowledgeable than most. 
for their, they have no wisdom. No wisdom. We might put it a little more colloquially than, than that. We might say they haven't got much gumption or common sense. We might have a number of phrases that we might uh, use to describe somebody that, yeah, plenty of knowledge, but no sense. But do you notice that the two of these go together in, in the word of God? When the Lord is talking about wisdom, there's a knowledge to have, and then there's a putting of knowledge into play, into practice. And that's really what wisdom is. Wisdom is not knowledge on its own. Wisdom is having a knowledge, yes, of what is true and what is right and proper and the fear of God as we've been thinking about it here. It's having a knowledge of that, but then it's also putting that into practice in our lives. It just can't all be up in your mind, in your head. It's not a head knowledge that is sufficient. The truth has to enter into your understanding. And you're going to put it into practice. That, that's real wisdom. That's what it is to be wise. And that's certainly something that we desire for the pupils in school, that, that they have a knowledge and they, they have a knowledge of the Lord. We want them to have that. And as they grow up and as they mature, we're, we're conscious they're, they're children and young people. So they can be immature at times, but they're growing up and maturing. And as they do, we want them to get to that place where they're going to put the knowledge that they have been uh, given into practice in their own lives. They have to stand on their own. They're going to go out to face the world someday. Whether it's further education or in the workplace, they're going to go out to face the world, an ungodly world, a hostile world, a world that has no love for Christ or the things of God. But if they're those that have been instructed in the things of God and taught that knowledge, well then we can pray to the Lord that by his grace they'll put that knowledge into practice and they'll have understanding. And it's not our purpose tonight to pursue that line, but you could in the scriptures and just think about times where that word understanding appears. And maybe one of the, the most uh, well-known reference is that tribe that it spoke of in it's spoken of in the Old Testament that they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. They had understanding of the times. Not, not just a knowledge, but they had understanding which is more than just knowledge. They knew what they ought to do. And if our, our pupils grow up to, to live like that, well, then they would be living in accordance to what is found here in Proverbs 2 about true wisdom. If they put their knowledge into practice, they learn to fear God and give the Lord his rightful place in their lives. And wherever the Lord takes them, whatever course their life follows, that they give the Lord his place. And they have understanding. And they'll understand the times then as well. They'll understand the world that they live in. They'll understand that it's not a, a friend of grace to help us on to God, as the hymn writer said. They'll understand that. And they'll, they'll be wary of the world and know the world is, is not their friend. But we're to resist the world and stand against the world and die to the world that we might live on to God and please the Lord. 
So there's the definition of wisdom that is, that is given here. I want you then to think about the source of wisdom in verse 6. This, the source, the Lord is the primary source. It's the Lord who giveth wisdom. The Lord does this. It's, it's not natural intelligence. It's not even parental upbringing on its own. Although we'll think a little moment about the part that uh, the Lord uses, uh, employs in secondary means. But it's not just parental upbringing on its own. The scripture tells us that it is the Lord who giveth wisdom. He giveth wisdom. You see, if you tie in verse 2 here with this, where it starts off with this series of instructions to the son, and in verse 2 there, he was told to incline his ear. Incline your ear. If you have got a hearing ear, the Lord will give you something. If we have got an ear to hear his word, the Lord will grant us something. He'll, he'll give to us all something if we incline our ear. We, we preach that in the gospel. Uh, the words of Isaiah 55 come to mind where it tells you there the un- unconverted are told to incline their ear and hear and seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. They're to incline their ear. And if they do and listen to the Lord and then seek the Lord, he'll save them. He'll deliver them from their sins. Well, if we take that a little bit further and say, well, now that you are a child of God, you still need to incline your ear. We still need to have a willingness to hear what the Lord would say to us. And if we are willing to incline our ear, then the Lord will give us something. He'll grant us something. He'll grant us wisdom. By his grace and by his power, he will work within us. And he will make us wise. So there, there will come about this combination then, not just of knowledge, but of understanding as well. And, and the two can come together if, if the Lord is in the matter. So he is the one who, who gives this. He gives wisdom. So he is the primary source. Now the Lord does use secondary means as well. Many of our blessings come to us through secondary means. The Lord can intervene directly. And sometimes he does and he can bless us directly. And many times he does, but oftentimes the Lord's blessings and benefits come to us through uh, secondary means. Now let's take the most obvious one, what, what we're engaged in when we come to the house of God. The Lord has plan- promised to bless his people, pour in grace into our lives, but he does it through the means of grace. We believe in the means of grace. And we, employ, uh, we believe in the importance of employing the means of grace. And the preaching of the word and prayer, sacraments, are means of grace, as our young people are taught in the, the catechism. But it is the Lord who, who, who gives these. He's the origin of all these things. He's the originator of all of this. But he uses secondary means to convey those to you and to me. And that's why we come to God's house. Because... We believe in the use of means. We're, we're practicing means tonight. That's what brings us either to the Sabbath services, to the midweek meetings, 
It is because we believe in the employment of means and we believe that if we give ourselves to the means, then God will bless those means to us. If we put ourselves under the preaching of the word, the Lord will bless the preaching of the word to us. And something will be imparted to us. So, yes, while the Lord can bless directly, oftentimes he, he brings his blessings through secondary means. And whether it's through the church or whether it's through parents, when we think about children, both of those play a part. Parents have an important part in instructing their children. Primary, at least in a, on a secondary means level, parents have the primary responsibility for instructing their children and seeing that to them is imparted this knowledge that is spoken of here and that by the grace of God, that our children learn to be wise, that they learn to apply that knowledge that they have. But the church has an important part to play in that as well, as we know. Is it not interesting that when the Lord was recommissioning Peter there in uh, John's Gospel, chapter 21, that he told him to feed the lambs? That was the first thing he told him to do. When he recommissioned him, feed the lambs, Peter. Don't forget about the little ones. Feed the sheep. Well, there's two different, the, the second and the third instruction is to feed the sheep, but the, it's two different words in, in the original. One has the idea of, of feeding and, and shepherding. The other has the idea of oversight. And Peter was to take on both. But the Lord started off by telling him, Peter, feed, feed the lambs. Don't forget about the little ones. That's, that's absolutely important. And really school is, is seeking to facilitate that. Christian school is seeking to facilitate that. Parents who have a primary responsibility in the church as well, who have a responsibility to, to feed the little ones and look after them and take care of them. And that's really what uh, the work of Christian education is, is about in many ways. We're going to watch this DVD now in a moment. There, there is a booklet. It's been printed a little while ago, and maybe you did get some copies at the time, but um, there's more copies out there on the table tonight that I have brought with me. And it's, it's simply, why choose a Christian education? And there's some articles at the start of it, and then some testimonials of pupils that have gone through schools, parents that have sent their children to school, even grandparents that have sent their, um, seen their children and grandchildren going to, to school and teachers. So, and then there's details about the individual schools. And if you are interested in Newton Abbey um, or Balamone on the other side of Balamina here, then you'll find uh, some details in that little book that they're free. So please, there's plenty of them and uh, take, take them and use them uh, if you want. There's also a, a prayer card if you'd be interested in taking, picking up one of those and taking it with you. And just remember uh, the work of the Christian school day by day. Remember God's word as it goes forth each morning. And that the Lord might use his word and other times during the day as well. But the Lord would, would bless the pupils. I, I, was, I drive the minibus and run them down to the swimming pool. And uh, I, I was telling my wife this evening, I'd rejoice my heart. Because driving up from the swimming pool, I could hear two boys in the back. And one of them was telling how, how delighted he is to get up to go to Sunday school on a Sunday morning. 
and he probably didn't know how much that really blessed my soul just to hear a pupil of his own volition telling another pupil in the bus I love getting up to go to God's house and if, if, if there's anything that makes the work of school worth it and there's extra responsibilities um, although it wouldn't survive if it was down to me I can assure you and you can be there's a lot of others that put in the effort that keeps school running but if there's anything that makes it worthwhile it's hearing somebody like that uh, just uttering words like that off themselves so if you would take a, a prayer card and uh, let it remind you about the work that you would pray for it if you are interested in supporting the school there is a little um, slip on the side of it about covenant support we don't get any funding from the state either capital costs or salary costs we are raising that entirely ourselves um, so if you care to support that, there's, it's really it's the secretary, the Reverend Darl Abernethy's address that is there that you can contact. And uh, there is a covenant scheme that we've restarted. I, I hope tonight to have some of the leaflets that particularly deal with that um, printed, but that hasn't happened yet. We were, the bank had delayed opening a separate bank account for this. And, I don't really know why it took so long. It was taking months and months, even though we were already registered with them and had another account. But um, that has delayed the printing of that uh, next leaflet. So um, anyway, if you're interested, then that there will give you enough information and you can contact the Reverend Abernethy and uh, he will supply you with information. Thank you very much again.